Howdy, podcast listeners. The State Fair of Texas has wrapped up for the year, but the fair's curated list of 16 award-winning blue ribbon wines representing 12 Texas wineries is now available on Somli. These wines were hand-selected by yours truly as a representation of the highest quality wines that Texas has to offer. For a limited time, you can support local businesses and bring the Texas winery experience to your doorstep. Deliveries are set to align with Christmas, so wine lovers can share a bottle of award-winning Texas wine that pairs perfectly with holiday dinner parties or to give as gifts. Bundles are perfect for that wine lover in your life, and with bottle counts of 3, 6, or 12, there's one for every budget. Check out the Buy Wine section on Somli.com to see all of the bundles that are available. The 2022 Christmas Wine Affair is almost here. November 28th through December 23rd, enjoy a self-guided tour, tasting award-winning wines at over 35 unique Texas Hill Country wineries. You can sip your way through four wineries per day, all at your own pace, plus receive exclusive discounts on bottle purchases. Buy your passport ticket now at texaswinetrail.com and head for the hills, November 28th through December 23rd. Welcome to This Is Texas Wine. I'm Shelley Wilfong, a wine educator, writer, and Texas wine enthusiast. On this podcast, I share Texas wine news, interview the most important people in the Texas wine industry, and bring you the information you need to be a more informed Texas wine drinker. Thanks for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode 54. Glenna Yates, president of the Texas Wine and Grape Growers Association, otherwise known as TWIGA, joins me today to share some history of the organization, information on recent challenges and staffing changes, and what TWIGA hopes to accomplish in the next legislative session. In Texas wine news, I've got the scoop on a California winery moving to town, some wines that support charitable causes, and find out which Texas winery makes the top 100 world's best vineyard list for 2022. Whether you're a regular listener or joining in for the first time, welcome to This is Texas Wine. I'm leading off with news of a virtual happy hour that I'm hosting, and I hope you'll join me. It's going to be Tuesday, November 29th at 6 o'clock on Zoom. I'll post the link on my social media when the date gets a bit closer, and I'll also send out the link to my newsletter subscribers. During the happy hour, I will share a few wine-related gift ideas for the holidays. We'll have a little Texas wine trivia challenge. And then whoever wants to can share what they're drinking, just a little wine share. So save the date, Tuesday, November 29th at 6, and consider this your personal invitation. So another California winery is heading to Texas. Halter Ranch Winery from Paso Robles is building a $5 million facility on 32 acres in Fredericksburg. It's going to be located about three-quarters of a mile east of Wild Seed Farms on the south side of the road. They're breaking ground in December, and the winery is expected to open in late 2023. A filing with the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation shows that the project includes almost 17,000 square feet, including a new wine-tasting facility, a separate storage building, a well building, and two private residences for the owner. No signs of an actual winery, though for, you know, perhaps the production of Texas wine. And that's because apparently they are not planning to produce Texas wine. Halter Ranch Winery has a good reputation in Paso and is known for a focus on sustainable methods and organic stewardship. It's owned by Swiss-born Hans-Jörg Weiss, and the New York Times wrote about him in 2018, calling him the billionaire owner of Halter Ranch Winery. At that time, he was giving $1 billion dollars that's with a B, to help accelerate land and ocean conservation around the world. He made his money in medical devices and sold his company to Johnson & Johnson 10 years ago for $20 billion. As of May of this year, he is the co-owner of the Premier League football club Chelsea. And of course, by football, I mean soccer. Earlier this year, Halter Ranch acquired Hart Winery in Temecula. If you visit the website for Halter Ranch, renderings of the Fredericksburg Tasting Room are already up. On social media, Mr. Weiss is quoted saying, Halter Ranch Texas will allow us to connect with our strong and growing Texas wine club and bring together our passion for food and wine in the beautiful romantic destination of Fredericksburg, Texas. 
The tasting room experience will be social, fun, and approachable, and a unique destination to celebrate Halter Ranch wine with family and friends. We're honored to join the amazing Halter Ranch wine tradition and realize the exciting vision we have for the destination. So it sounds to me like Halter Ranch has no plans to make any Texas wine, and that has rubbed many people the wrong way. Of course, Halter Ranch isn't the first. There are at least a handful of other wineries in the Hill Country that pour exclusively non-Texas wines. Here are a few comments from social media. One Texas wine consumer replied, When I go to Greece, I drink wine from Greece. If I'm in a specific region of Italy, I drink wine from that region and not from other regions. And this from a wine professional in San Antonio. Not too long ago, I had a regular guest return from Fredericksburg and ask if it's common that wineries in Texas don't use Texas grapes. I told her that practice is not the majority and explained the dynamic of sourcing fruit. She seemed confused and explained that she went on a group outing to four to five wineries and found that they all had a majority of wines from other places. After pressing, she revealed the locations and that she had booked a large bus tour for a Saturday. In fairness, these are likely the only places that would take a tour that size, but this was her general perception and takeaway from her Hill Country experience. She was ready to dismiss the whole region based on that experience, which she wouldn't understand as a consumer. There is no doubt that a large, well-funded California winery coming to the Hill Country will have an impact on the region. While I know many of the most diehard Texas wine drinkers, industry and laypeople, also drink wine from other places, we don't expect those wineries to set up shop in the busiest wine tourism corridor in the state. But Halter Ranch isn't the first and surely won't be the last. Still, it's important to me that the Texas Hill Country reflect the Texas wine experience and not become defined by wine from another region. Sure, that can still happen with wineries from other places as neighbors. Everyone has to make that choice for themselves. And at least the new addition seems like a winery with a strong emphasis on environmentalism and with a great winemaking reputation, too. Maybe in time they'll catch the Texas wine bug and plant some grapevines in Texas. It remains to be seen how Texas wineries will respond to their new neighbors. I expect to see a bunch more of the t-shirts that Yano Estacado has for sale. They read, Brave Texans didn't die at the Alamo for us to drink California wine. At least three wineries have just released wines that raise funds for charitable purposes. Messina Hoff is proud to announce the Museum Collection. This is a collection of five new wines, specifically crafted for their partnership with the Admiral Nimitz Foundation and the National Museum of the Pacific War in Fredericksburg. A portion of the collection's sales go to the museum and to the preservation of World War II stories. Messina Hoff, of course, is a proud veteran-owned business and family winery with a history of three generations of United States military service. Each of the wines has a name that reflects a story from World War II. One example is Code Girls. During World War II, the United States military recruited women from around the U.S. to work in various intelligence branches. These women formed an elite group of more than 10,000 female codebreakers known as Code Girls. They were critical to victory in the European and Pacific theaters. Code Girls is a semi-sweet white wine blend and pays homage to the strong women that balanced the home front alongside critical contributions to World War II war efforts. Another new release is from the William Christ Wine Company. They've just released the third edition of their Wanderer series, Relief Project. This wine has been created for charitable purposes, and previous editions have raised funds for Southern Smoke Foundation in year one and Feeding Texas in year two. This time, they've partnered with June Rodel and Mark Serre of Goodnight Hospitality in Houston to support Chef Jose Andres World Central Kitchen. I love that charity, and I'm thrilled that they've selected it. A portion of all sales will be donated to World Central Kitchen. This year's blend is a medium-bodied red. It's 60% Morvedra and 40% Cabernet Sauvignon. It's $40. Each of the past two editions of the Wanderer Project raised at least $40,000, and hopefully this wine will sell out too. And finally, Kerrville Hills Winery has partnered with the San Antonio Zoo to launch Conservino with proceeds to benefit wildlife conservation efforts. There's a red wine and a white wine. Conservino red wine is a medium-bodied Cabernet Sauvignon and Tempranillo blend. 
and Conservino white wine is a Roussan. Even the labels help tell the story of wildlife conservation. Conservino red features a Sumatran tiger, which is a critically endangered species. And the Conservino white is a southern white rhino. That's a species that is actually making a comeback. In partnership with Freetail Brewing Company, the San Antonio Zoo also has Conservesa, an American blonde ale that benefits wildlife conservation, and it has raised over $50,000 since its inception in 2017, all for a good cause. Here's another bit of news about William Chris. William Chris Vineyards was just named one of the top 100 world's best vineyards. They joined the list at number 56. They're one of only seven U.S. wineries on the list and the first ever Texas winery. This list names the world's top wine tourism destinations, the best places to taste terrific wines and learn about winemaking and grape growing. Well, all wine and food festivals are not created equal, and some of the biggest and best known aren't always the best for tasting Texas wine. Attending the big festivals that are supposed to be all about the local farm-to-table experience may leave you wondering, where's the Texas wine? Case in point, the Austin Food and Wine Festival. Although past years have included a larger number of Texas wineries, this year had only one or two winery participants. I've gotten mixed reports on that. But Jason Centani of Llano Estacado did take the stage at one point to deliver a pro-Texas wine message. But while Texas spirits and beer were free-flowing, the Texas wine options were scarce. But never fear, Austin. The Austin Winery hosted a Texas wine pop-up that brought out over 10 wineries, and it looks like a good time was had by all. I'm hoping to make it to more wine festivals in the new year, and I've got two at the very top of my list, Rootstock and Waco and Toast of Texas in Austin. Both of those are happening in April. Stay tuned because I'll be sharing discount codes and more details in the new year. This podcast is coming out on the third Thursday of November, which is also Beaujolais Nouveau Day 2022. If you're not familiar, Beaujolais Nouveau Day is when the French celebrate the arrival of their first red wine of the season with food, fireworks, and of course, new wine. Under French law, the wine made from hand-picked Gamay grapes is released at 12.01 a.m., just weeks after the wine's grapes have been harvested. Parties are held throughout the countryside to celebrate the first wine of the season. And of course, it's only Beaujolais Nouveau if it's from the Beaujolais region of France. While Lewis Wines didn't want the French to have all the fun, they're releasing their own first wine of the season, a Morvedre from Philip's Vineyard. They picked the grapes just a couple of months ago and bottled it as soon as they could. They say the wine is fresh, fruity, and fun with Thanksgiving or with pizza. Like the Beaujolais Nouveau, the Morvedre underwent carbonic maceration, a process where whole grapes are put into an an oxygen-free environment and start fermentation inside each individual berry. The process results in wines that are very fruity with light tannins and acid. Many people prefer it chilled. The Lewis wine is $20, and about 70 cases were produced. Apparently, some of it is headed to Central Market, and it's also available online and in the tasting room. I judged two different wine competitions last week. It was the second year for the competition in Granbury, Texas, which has been renamed the Master Classic Wine Competition. The competition seems not to have formally released the winners yet, but the Granbury Wine Walk shared a picture of the 11 gold medal winners, but then they took it down, but not before some wineries noticed and shared their results. So congratulations to the winners. The whites showed particularly well, and the most memorable whites for me were the Roussan and the Albarino from 4R Ranch and the Malvasia Bianca from Firelight Vineyards. You can view and taste the winners at this weekend's Granberry Wine Walk. And I just returned from Houston, where I judged the Rodeo Uncorked International Wine Competition for the first time. It was super fun and well-organized. You'd have to be with over 3,000 wine entries, 123 judges, and hundreds of volunteers. It was an honor to participate, and I got to taste some great wines. One unique feature of the competition is that the entries are flighted with others in their same price category. You might not know where the wines come from in some cases, but you'll know that They're a $16 to $22 Oak Chardonnay category, for example. I tasted about 46 of those. And also some Champagne, lots of New World Pinot Noir, and even the Cabernet Sauvignon entries over $100. Results come out on November the 17th, the day this podcast is released.
And here's another reminder to purchase your mixed case of Blue Ribbon Texas wines. These are the wines that were selected to be featured at the State Fair of Texas, and now they're available for drinking at home. I'm working on this effort with Somley and with Wine Cub. We've got a few options to purchase preset bundles, or you can customize a case of your favorites. And remember that this is retail pricing, not fair pricing. There are no additional fees besides shipping, but this is happening for a very limited time, and orders close on December 10th and will not reopen. So be sure to visit Somley.com to get in on this great opportunity. As always, find links to all these stories in the show notes at thisistexaswine.com. And that's the Texas Wine News. I just heard back from my podcast listener, Corey, who visited Bending Branch Winery and had a special VIP tour and tasting. As you know, my newsletter recipients get fun offers like free tasting passes to wineries. Corey writes, I just wanted to let you know that we had the best time at Bending Branch on Saturday. Our tour guide and tasting guide was Tom. He was very knowledgeable and answered all of our questions thoroughly and thoughtfully. We also met Jennifer, who took our pictures in the barrel room. Someone really needs to make a candle that smells like that. The wines were all amazing. I especially love the Tempranillo and, of course, their Tanat. We even bought some to take home. The whole day was fantastic and the weather was perfect. We'll definitely be back. Thank you for sending the gift certificate and for your podcast. I love learning about the Texas wine industry and hearing the interviews you do. Well, thanks for listening, Corey, and thanks to Bending Branch and to all the other wineries who have given tasting passes to podcast listeners this fall. These include William Chris, Lost Straw, French Connection, and The Hill at High. If you want to get the behind-the-scenes scoop and be eligible for future giveaways, sign up for the podcast newsletter by visiting thisistexaswine.com, then click Newsletter Sign Up. And now for our interview. Glenna Yates is the current president of the Texas Wine and Grape Growers Association, otherwise known as TWIGA. She just celebrated 15 years in the Texas wine industry, so she's seen a lot of change and growth. In our conversation, we cover the organizational challenges and changes at TWIGA, what the Texas wine industry needs from the next legislative session, and the biggest challenges facing the industry. Here's our conversation. Well, we, this past weekend, celebrated our 15th year in the business. We bought our first winery in 2007, so we are having uh, a, a little party to celebrate that. So things have changed a lot. I mean, just the growth and the number of wineries out there is amazing. Oh, for sure. Well, 15 years ago, what was the impetus to get into the Texas wine industry? Um, my son, he had spent a couple of summers in Spain trying to learn Spanish for his requirement at the University of Texas. And one summer he lived with a family that had a winery, fell in love with Tempranillo, and came home and said, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to grow Tempranillo grapes and make Tempranillo wine. And so that's what he's, what we, we did. <laughs> you um, bought Spicewood Vineyards, right? Right. In 2007, we bought Spicewood Vineyards from Ed and Madeline Manigold. They had started the vineyard in 1992. And Ron spent a year with them learning the business. And so in 2007, we purchased it. Uh, really not knowing a whole lot about the business that we learned very quickly. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> we made a lot of mistakes. We didn't know everything going into it, but uh, after 15 years, I think we have a pretty good handle on it. 2012, we realized that, that uh, the wine road, Highway 290 between Johnson City and Fredericksburg was where the action was going to be. So in 2012, we went in there and bought 15 acres and started Ron Yates Wines. So Spicewood Vineyards is an estate uh, winery. It means that we grow the grapes for all the wines in, in that. That's our what we hope to do. We haven't been able to do it because Mother Nature has not cooperated with us, but that's what we hope to do in the future. And Ron Yates Wines, we buy grapes from all over the state and make Texas wines there. I've been to both and enjoyed them both. I'm guessing you must be pretty proud of your son. I'm very proud of my son. 
he uh, he kind of, when he got out of college, he didn't know what he wanted to do. So he went to law school like his dad, graduated from law school and said, yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> and so uh, he said, I want to grow grapes. And so that's what we're doing. Were you a big wine fan 15 years ago or has Texas oh, absolutely. wine? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We had spent a lot of time in Napa Valley and Sonoma Valley. We really prefer Sonoma over Napa. Napa is much more commercialized than Sonoma. But um, the Russian River Valley, the Pinot Noir grapes that are grown there, the Zinfandels that are grown there, we fell in love with them. And when Ron started, wanted to start the wineries, we realized that Rhone varietals and Mediterranean varietals were what were going to grow the best in Texas. And so that's what we put most of our energy into, Spanish varietals, Northern Italian varietals, Southern France varietals. So that's what, where we, what we found to grow well in Texas. Were you involved with Twiga from the very beginning? No. Uh, I've always believed that if you're going to be involved in an industry, you need to get to know the people in the industry and be involved in the management of the industry. So in 2017, uh, Dakota Hazelwood was the executive director of Twiga, and she encouraged me to start uh, getting involved by serving in some committees. So I served on the conference committee and I served on the education committee And so she finally one day called me and said, we really would like you to serve on the board. So I was elected that year to serve uh, as secretary of Twiga. And that's a two-year commitment. And I did that for two years. And then in 2019, I was elected to become president-elect. And I became president-elect in February and in March COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And for the next two years, we were barely making it. We laid off all of our employees. Patrick Whitehead was president at that time, and he did a heroic job of keeping Twigga together during that time. We did everything virtually for two years. Our conference was virtual. Our grape camp was virtual. And we lost a lot of our members because they they weren't open, so they couldn't afford their membership fees. Uh, finally, we started coming out of COVID, and thanks to the heroic efforts of Sabrina Amaya, who used to be in the business. She had uh, a Dry Creek Vineyards, I think, in uh, New Braunfels with her parents, and she came in and literally took over the operations for Twiga for about 18 months, even did a a virtual conference for us that we would have never been able to do without her help. In 2022, this this past February, I became president, and I've been serving this year and will be president until February of 2023, when Monty Dixon of Z Wines will take over as president. I'm sure it's a big job. What what are the primary responsibilities of the president? (laughs) (laughs) Well, because we don't have a lot of money, so we don't have a lot of employees. An association our size really needs about seven employees. And that was, has been a problem ever since COVID hit. We just didn't have any money to hire anybody to do the work. So uh, your officers or your executive committee have really virtually run Twiga for the last three, four years uh, because of that, with the help of, of Sabrina. And so last year at our conference, we realized that one person is not capable of running Twiga. So we started looking for a means to run the organization. And I found a company called SAM, which is Strategic Management Associates. And they are an an association management company. And so we hired them 
So we have seven employees now. We just don't, we have them on a part-time basis. So we don't have to pay for them every day. Okay. And Sam has really cut our expenses because we get to share expenses with the other associations that they manage. I think they manage about 20 associations. Uh, We have one dedicated person. Her name is Lacey Compton, and she's on all of our conference calls. She's on all of our committee calls. She ran our uh, wine competition that we just had. And so now we're able to function like we should, but we just don't have the expenses that we did. Well, that helps, I'm sure. It does. And are people starting to come back to membership now that COVID is over? Yes. Now that people are able to get their tasting rooms back open and they're making money again, they're coming back. Yes. Good. So is Twigga still based in Grapevine? No. Okay. Twigga has a virtual office, which really is uh, Sam's office in Austin, Texas. All right. I know when you were added to the board, or at least when you started your presidency, I read in one of the old minutes, I think, that um, that you felt like Twigga's main mission was to represent your members at the Texas legislature and at the TABC. And I've previously interviewed um, Kyle Frazier, who's the legislative advocate for Twigga. And so I just wonder if you can kind of give us a status update on how you think things are going in those areas or goals that you have in those areas going forward in the next bit of your term. I know you don't have too much left, but I'm sure these things will continue even as the new president comes on board. Absolutely. Uh, Twigga has three main purposes for existence. The first one is to educate our members. The second one is to market our wines. And the third one is to uh, advocate for our members, not only in front of the legislature, but in front of TABC. Uh, we're also regulated by the Fed, uh, feds. So we represent all of our members from all of those organizations. Kyle Frazier has been an absolute treasure for Twigga. I mean, he, he during COVID, he stayed on. We didn't pay him for a long time because we just didn't have the money. But he stayed on and advocated for us, and I'll forever be indebted to him. Uh, We have a legislative session coming up, so, of course, that's very important. We have a couple of bills that we're working on that I assume that we will take to the legislature when it starts on January 10th. Our education that we do for our members is also extremely important thing that we do. Uh, We have uh, three main education opportunities a year. The first one is Grape Camp, which is coming up this Thursday and Friday in Dripping Springs. We also have educational opportunities during our conference, which is in February and will be in San Marcos this next year. And then we also have uh, Newsom Grape Days, which we do all the work for Neil Newsom which is an opportunity for people to go. And really, it's a networking situation mainly, but there is some education in that uh, day. Uh, Gives people an opportunity to meet the growers and make some connections. So if they're looking for grapes to buy, they meet some people that they can buy grapes from. And then we have five regions in Texas. We have uh, North Texas, East Texas, the Gulf Coast, Hill Country, and the High Plains. And each one of those regions has two regional directors, a winery director and a vineyard director. So once a month, those regional directors have educational opportunities. It might be virtual. It might be a tailgate in somebody's vineyard. Uh, That's up to the regional directors what works best for them in their particular area. Mm -hmm. So... We've got all all kinds of educational opportunities. We also have a marketing program that we put together a couple of years ago called Texas Wine, Texas Bold. If you are a member of Twiga, you have access to that marketing program for free. Uh, 
it is a, a print and it's also a video of marketing program. So you can, whatever works best for you, you can use it in any way you want to. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason to be a member of Twiga. Well, I know there are so many new wineries and vineyards coming on board. And, and I, of course, I was going to ask you, what do you want to say to them? But I think you've just said it all. There's so much <laughs> going on. How do you find those people and encourage their participation in the organization? Well, when I started out in 2007, we were the 32nd permit issued. There are now over 700 permits issued in Texas. So we've grown a lot in uh, 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's hardly a day goes by that we don't get a call at Twiga from somebody who's interested in starting a vineyard or wants to start a vineyard or wants some help in the tasting room. And when we get those calls, then we give them the information that they need to either send them to someone or tell them how to do it or or answer their questions. And we hope that in helping those people, we also kind of, you know, give them an opportunity to ask them to join Twiga. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest gap in education or resources that people need when they're first starting out? And maybe you experienced it 15 years ago, or maybe... Maybe the gaps you had have since been filled in by, you know, resources coming into Texas. But is, is there something that you can identify as an opportunity? I think people, they go to our tasting rooms. They sit out on our porches. They look at the beautiful uh, views. They taste our delicious wine. And they think, oh, this is lovely. I, this is so romantic. This is something I want to do. And, but they don't realize the hard work that goes on behind the scenes to get that glass of wine out there for you to sit there on that porch and enjoy it. And uh, this grape camp that we're having this week, the first day is strictly for people who want to go into the business to answer those questions, to tell them, you know, people call, they say, Oh, I have, I have five acres. I think I want to plant it with grapes. We'll have the information for them on on what to do to start that. Our education committee, which is run by uh, Meredith Eaton and Justin Shiner, are just, they've just done such a great job in putting together these educational opportunities for the novice. And then the next two days is for the experienced people. Because no matter how much you know, you don't know everything. Right. I asked Kyle some version of this question, and I'll ask you too. I know that the state of Texas has a lot of money going into this legislative session. If Twiga were somehow to get a large lump of funds, where do you think money around Texas wine marketing would best be spent? Well, we're going to the legislature to ask for money, but we're not asking for money for marketing specifically. Uh, I think that most of our members and even those who are not members will agree that the most important thing that we need right now in Texas is research. We need money to do research for better grape production because that is what is holding back the growth in our industry is the, the amount of production of grapes right now. We only have about 5,000 acres under cultivation. And with 700 permit holders needing grapes, that doesn't allow for a lot of people to get very many grapes. Mm -hmm. So uh, Twiga put together a group of three universities, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, and the University of Texas. We got together this summer. We sat down and we talked about the uh, surplus of funds that are at at the legislature's and said, how can we get some of that money? And so the three universities are working together to come up with a bill asking for some of those funds for specific grape research. And we hope with the power that those three universities have, uh, we we feel like that we will be able to get some funds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to say no to those big three. 
That's right. <laughs> and if you take a, a check of the legislators, one of they're probably all from at least one of those universities. They all have some connection to them. So we're hoping for that. <laughs> I guess one of the reasons marketing is on my mind is because last year at the Texas Hill Country Wineries Symposium, I heard uh, Dr. B from Texas A&M report on a consumer survey that, that she had done in conjunction with others, I'm sure, about Texas wine. And the, one of the big findings from her study was not that Texas wine has a bad reputation or people think it's too expensive or anything like that. It's that people don't know Texas makes wine, which is shocking to me. And I'm sure you, because we're kind of entrenched in this, but there's just such a huge marketing opportunity because we have such a big state and an excellent product. And so just reminding people, teaching people that in fact, Texas makes great wine seems like a worthy marketing opportunity. It is. It is. And our Texas Wine, Texas Bowl uh, public relations uh, outlet is a, a, a means to get some of that information out. Uh, our biggest problem is we can't get into the restaurants. Yep. And uh, we're being hindered because the sommeliers don't put Texas wines on their restaurant lists. If you go to Fredericksburg, which is right now the epicenter of Texas wines, and you'll go into a restaurant and there's not a Texas wine on it. And it's just a matter of educating the sommeliers. It's a matter of getting out. I mean, every time a person walks in a tasting room and they walk out, that's a PR opportunity to show them how good our wines are. Yeah, we had a bad, people had a bad taste in their mouth because we tried in the early start of uh, wine growing in Texas, we, we tried to grow the big three, Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, and uh, Merlot. Mm -hmm. They don't grow well in Texas. We grow them, but they don't grow like they do in California. So, as our new winemakers have come into the state, and most of them are about my son's age, we have this wonderful group of young winemakers that have gone to school, learned the profession, and are now making great wines. But they're not—they're not making cabernets or some or uh, uh, chardonnays or merlot. They're making tempranillos and they're making grenaches and syrah, and uh, they're growing grapes that grow well in the Texas heat and the type of soil that we have in Texas. And that, that's why we're winning all these gold medals in California and New York, because the wines that we're making are great. They just, people just don't know about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, someday people will find out and then we'll really have a grape shortage when everybody wants to buy Texas wine. <laughs> well, I mean, this year our, our, uh, Volume is off by about 50% because we had hail, we had a freeze, we had uh, high winds when the vines were flowering, mm -hmm. and then we had a drought all summer. So we're only going to have about 50% of the grapes that we normally have. The wines are going to be spectacular because the grapes are concentrated because they're so few and they're, they're small berries and they're going to be a lot of flavor. And they're going to be wonderful wines, but there's just not going to be a lot of them. The restaurant issue is one that I've kind of talked about with different people over time. And I just, I can't quite crack the answer to that. I mean, some people say that Texas wine is a little too expensive to have on a restaurant menu, um, that there's just not enough of it in distribution and that people can't get it consistently. I mean, what do you think are the, the things that we have to answer to start being on more wine lists? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the volume of grapes has a lot to do with the cost because there's not a lot of grapes. You have to pay a premium to get the best grapes. And when you pay a premium, then you've got to charge for it. Yeah. So if we get more grapes in the ground, then we'll have a plethora of grapes and you don't have to pay as much. And so you can put a, an, an inexpensive bottle of wine on the shelf. Mm -hmm. 
Well, maybe someday. I mean, the whole farm to market uh, concept in restaurants is all great, except when it comes down to actually having a local wine and, you know, it's tricky. Um, one thing that I saw in an email recently, I saw that Twiga was seeking funds for a legal, a legal fund. Can you explain yes. what that's about? Yes. Uh, there is a lawsuit going on. Right. Well, let me, let me back up. Uh, one of the reasons that we don't have a lot of grapes being planted right now in the high plains is because cotton farmers spray cotton. Uh, with uh, a weed killer that volatizes and it goes over into the vineyards and kills the vines. And this lawsuit between a bunch of of grape growers and one of the uh, uh, weed killer producers, uh, we have prepared an amicus brief, and that's a, a friend of the court, and what we're doing is we're saying that, yes, there is definitely a problem. This a cotton farmer does not intentionally spray a weed killer on the vines, but he can, the, if the wind's blowing, it can go as much as two miles away from where the cotton farmer is spraying. And so it gets on our vines and it kills the vines. And the, it's, it's Cost fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars an acre to plant grapes, and they're just not going to. The grape growers are not going to plant any more grapes until a pro, this problem gets settled with the uh, volatilization of the weed killers. So our amicus brief is to go to that court to tell them that we agree that there is a problem that needs to be addressed, and the cost of the law firm to prepare the amicus brief Twiga is paying for. And so we were just asking for help with paying for that uh, legal fees for that amicus brief. I see. So you're not part of the lawsuit necessarily. No, 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 no. We're just a friend of the court. I see. Okay. Well, any um, idea of timeline on when that might come to resolution? (laughs) (laughs) Question of the year. Yeah. Yes. Uh, We had a meeting Twiga held a meeting about a month ago with the cotton farmers and our grape growers and a couple of the companies that produce the weed killers. And there was absolutely nothing that gained from the meeting other than each party learned where the other party stood. So it's, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next week. Uh, It's just when you get into a a court fight like that, it could take years. Mm -hmm. So we'll just have to see. So is that some kind of court ordered mediation happening or? No, no, no. It was just, we just wanted to try and get everybody together to talk. I see. You know, in the high plains, you may have a grape grower and the cotton is right next door. and It's his brother or his cousin mm-hmm. um, that is growing the cotton because most of our grape growers used to be cotton farmers. Right. And they tore out the cotton and plant the grapes because they could make more money from the grapes than they could the cotton. So, uh, but there's, uh, I think everybody, we just wanted everybody to know where everybody stood. Mm-hmm. Well, never a dull moment in Texas wine, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, as you're kind of starting to think about winding down your term as president and turning over the reins, um, what are you excited about in the future of Texas wine that may not be realized during your term, but may be going uh, forward in the future? Well, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that we have a group of people in our industry that are willing to step out of their daily life, all the things that you have to do when you own a winery or you own a vineyard, and use your time to help everybody else. And we're getting ready to start nominating people for the next board. And I encourage anybody that's interested that would like to have a voice in uh, Twiga to, to, you can nominate yourself 
You don't have to be nominated by somebody. You can nominate yourself. If you're interested in working with our industry, it's a perfect spot to be. Uh, we just had our internet, our Lone Star International wine competition last month. Yes. And we had uh, over 700 entries. The uh, International I mean, the Lone Star International Wine Competition is the oldest wine competition in Texas. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, this is another marketing opportunity. If your wine goes to this competition and it wins a medal, that's a great way to uh, market your wines to your mailing list or Facebook or Twitter or whatever uh, platform you use. So a lot of people put their wines in these competitions so they can then market their wines. So that's another opportunity. So I'm just very excited about that we're getting Twiga back working again after having been shut down for so long and that people are interested in working. Uh, interested If you're interested in the legislature, then join our legislative committee. We've got a great committee that meets year-round that uh, – it's always on the lookout for problems that affect our industry. And uh, if you're interested in education, we've got a ed great education committee that puts together these programs that, that, that you see at Grape Camp and the conference. And uh, it just, you know, growth, more people joining. And as I was trying to say a while ago, if you are not a member of Twigga, and you need some education for, say, your tasting room workers, or if you need some help in your vineyard, you're going to pay somebody, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. If you want to go to the legislature for some reason, and you're going to have to hire a lobbyist, a lobbyist in one hour will cost you more than your membership fee. And if you have that problem, you can bring it to the legislative committee at Twiga, and they can take it and run with it for you. So that's the reason you join Twiga, and that's that's what I foresee coming in the future. Just more and more of that. Well, I'm glad you and others have uh, stepped up in leadership, and thank you for all you've done. And I certainly wish you well. In whatever way they're going to utilize your skills next, I'm sure you're not <laughs> well, completely off the hook. No, I've got another year uh, as a, a past president, which really supports your president because there's so much going on. One person can't do it all. You can't be on every committee meeting. You can't be at every function. You can't be at everything. So your past president and your president-elect both work in, in hand in hand with the president. Then the next year. I'll become president of the Texas Wine Foundation, which is our uh, fundraiser where we raise funds to give kids scholarships that want to work in the wine industry. Oh, nice. We need all yeah. the young people we can get. Yes, we do. And uh, we're, last year, I think we gave out, I think, $38,000 worth of, of uh, uh, scholarships and we we want to go more and more and be able to give these kids enough money because it's so expensive to go to school. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we're working on that on a daily basis, trying to figure out ways to raise funds for scholarships. So but that's, that's, I'll be doing that. So I've got at least two more years. <laughs> well, congratulations on 15 years of Spicewood. That's a great, great milestone, and uh, look forward to seeing you before long at one conference or another. I hope so, and we appreciate what you do for our industry because these podcasts is a great way to market our industry. Well, thank you. It's been fun, <laughs> and I'm glad people are uh, tuning in to hear what's new in Texas, Texas wine. Well, I know you have a, a big following out there, so we really appreciate your interest and what you do for uh, Texas wines. Well, thank you. Thanks, Glenna. And if you didn't know, general consumers can join Twiga too. The rate is $150 per year, and all the information is available on the Twiga website. Stay tuned for demerits and gold stars. 
this is the point in the show when I often give a plug for Cork and Cactus, our B&B in Fredericksburg. It's also the spot in the show that's called a mid-roll ad, and I'm seeking new sponsors for this space and for the pre-roll ads at the top of the show for 2023. If your target market is Texas wine lovers, Texas wine professionals, winery owners, or enthusiastic wine consumers, we need to talk. Reach out to find out how to put podcast advertising to work for you. Okay, demerits and gold stars. This is when I either offer praise or scold the various Texas wine things that I come across. And I do have a gold star today. My gold star goes to the Austin Chronicle's recent coverage of Texas wine. Over the past year or so, they've really stepped up their coverage. They published a fun look at the Texas wine auction back in April. And just recently, they took advantage of the Texas Wine Month Passport, and they selected their top five wines from their visits during October, which was Texas Wine Month. They have a bit of an irreverent way of writing about wine that I think probably gets through to a whole new audience that isn't necessarily in the Texas Wine Facebook groups or reading more of the traditional press. And another gold star goes to listeners who support the podcast with your kind words and shares and also with your funds by buying me virtual Texas wine. I have a regular listener who buys me a glass of virtual Texas wine practically every time he listens to an episode. I really do appreciate the support from listeners, whether you're part of the Texas wine industry or not. Thanks for supporting my little podcast that has grown kind of big. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to mark your calendars for our podcast happy hour on Tuesday, November 29th at 6 p.m. Don't forget to buy your case of Blue Ribbon Texas Wine at Somley.com. And don't forget to head to the hills and visit the Texas Hill Country Wineries for the Christmas Wine Affair. And finally, don't forget to follow social media channels at Texas Wine Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and I guess Twitter, and then comment and share. You'll help me find new listeners who are interested in Texas wine. You can get in touch by emailing me at texaswinepod at gmail.com. Send your feedback, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And maybe I'll share your comment or question on the next show. Thanks to Texas Wine Lover for promotional assistance. Visit txwinelover.com to help plan your next winery visit. I'll be back in two weeks with an interview with Adrian Ballou. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all.